What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Rangers edition of the Ballsy Podcast. Sports Day DFW and Dallas Morning News. I am Kevin Sherrington. There is Barry Horn. And visiting with us from the West Coast, Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. How's it going? Um, I'm okay. Evan, <laughs> stop it. Evan's got his dauber e- down. E- Evan, why would your dauber be down? Because it's like 6 o'clock in the morning in California when, when we're I'm doing this? I'm fine. Let's go, you bunch of giggling fools. <laughs> Wow, Evan! All right, let me ask you this, Evan. When when uh, when your man Adrian Beltre said that they were mad when they when the Rangers when John Daniels traded our ace, was he wrong when he said that? No, I think they were upset, and I think no, 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 no. You're missing the point. They didn't trade their ace. Their ace pitched last night. Their ace knocked out the Angels for seven innings. Oh, that was your attempt at wordplay. Yeah, attempt at it. it. Of course, it flew right over your head. Cole Hamels, has, what's his record been since he's been with the Rangers now, Evan? I believe it's... Um, 30 wins? 31 and 7. Yeah, something like that, 30 and 7. That's an unbelievable record over two years. Two-plus years, yes. Two-plus years. Uh, so... So my, my point is is that when fans are looking at an ace and when they hear the word ace, they want a guy who's going to go out there when in the darkest of times and he is going to be able to say, enough, I'm going to put an end to this right now. Well, they want a guy who can win a one nothing game. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not – listen, we, we've said all along – now, what, what is Darvish's record since he's been with the Dodgers, Evan? He's hurt, you know. He's on the DL. Uh, yeah, but he's going to pitch. He's coming back on Sunday. Okay. It's just a, a 10-day thing. I think he's 2-0 with the Dodgers. I think they've won all three of his starts. Uh, yes, I think that's correct. He had a, a great initial start. His first start against the Mets, he was terrific. Uh, it, was, it was you at his best. The second game, in five innings, he threw 106 pitches, I believe it was. Correct. Uh, and then in the third game, that was, and, they, and they did win that game, right? That's a, As yes. you said, yeah. Uh, and, it, and you know, he, he gave up, I think, two or three runs in that game. It wasn't an awful performance. It just wasn't economical. What's so great about what Hamels did uh, Monday night against the Angels was that he threw, I think, what was it, 92 pitches in seven innings? Yep. If they had needed him to, they could have brought him back. Out. Yep. Nope. They could have brought him back out for the eighth inning. I think the, the point is they're trying to save him a little bit. It's Evan, not, we're going to pay you by, yeah, we're gonna I, pay I you by the word, Evan. Not- I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I get exactly what they're doing because they are playing from behind and they're playing the team that, that is holding the wild card spot. And if there's ever a time to push a guy, it would probably be now. And, and, and saving a guy for the playoffs that, 
that may or may not get here seems a little bit um, far far fetched. I, I do think that the Rangers have made some um, accommodations, for lack of a better term, to call Hamels as he approaches his 34th birthday. Uh, and, and I think that is the, the idea that they're going to keep him between 90 and 100 pitches. And, you know, you look at last night's game, and I think that it, it does highlight all of the uh, the knives that Jeff Bannister kind of has to juggle in the air right now because he did get seven really good innings from Cole Hamels, and, and he did kind of get to that point where he felt like he was at about his limit. He might have been able to pitch him push him another eight or ten pitches, maybe even 15. But I think his thought is, I'm going to have to go now to a young and inexperienced guy in the bullpen before I can go to Alex Claudio because Barnett wasn't available after pitching. And there's Tony Barnett's ERA since July 1st, I believe, is 2.4. So you can wake up whenever you want. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm, tell, I'm telling you right now. He's pitched much better. You you don't want to He's see Tony Barnett again. I'd rather see I'd rather see him than see at this point Jose Leclerc, who has clearly uh, gone back. He's gone backwards now. He started out the season so well, it was a miracle how he started out, considering what he looked like before, where he had no command whatsoever, and get him. He had such good stuff it would get himself in trouble, and now he's gone back to that again. Great stuff. That gets us up. This is the point, though, Kevin. He's got, you know, they just called up Nick Gardewine straight from Double A yesterday. They've got Ricardo Rodriguez, who came up ten days ago, straight from Double A. They've got Austin Bibbinsert, who had never pitched in the big leagues before this year. They've got Leclerc, who had never, essentially, never pitched in the big leagues before this year. And then they've got a forty-year-old that they got off, basically off of release waivers, and Jason Grilly, and and that guy in Jan Martin and Mariñas, who really has never established himself. Uh, and, and so he's got to look out there and say, you know, I've got to keep all my arms as fresh as I possibly can, and I've got to, I've got to give some opportunities here to guys to to kind of close close games down, or at least carry the ball to, to Alex Claudio. And I think his perspective was, if I'm going to do this, I'd like to do it and give the ball to a guy with, with nobody on base and, and let him work a, a, uh, an inning from the start where he doesn't have to pitch, you know, in, in, in a stressful situation. And he just went, and, and Leclerc just wasn't up to it. And that's, that's the kind of issue that Jeff Bannister is going to face, I think, here on a nightly basis as we go down these, these last five weeks of the season if this team is to is to make a run. He's got an inexperienced bullpen. He's got one really proven starter, and he's got a, a closer right now who's pushing 70 innings. And so it's, it, it's not an ideal situation. I mean, let's face facts. This is a flawed team, and it's a flawed league right now, and, and the Rangers are trying to make the best of what they've got. I know Claudio doesn't throw a lot of pitches in most of his outings, but when will his arm fall off? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, they have not – I think they've had four guys in the last eight or ten years go more than 70 innings as relievers. And Sean Tolleson did it right before his arm fell off. Sam Dyson did it last year right before he basically imploded. And Tanner Shepherds did it uh, the year before his arm fell off. So um, – and then the other one was, was Tolleson in 2014 – in what was basically a bunch of, of meaningless games late in the year. So 
there's not a great track record with that. I, I, I asked Bannister about this last week, and and he feels like, yeah, there are more innings in the arm of a guy who's not a max effort thrower, and because of the lower angle at which Claudio throws, he may not put as much stress on his arm. But I think a lot of that is all just um, conjecture and, and subjective. And, and, yeah, you're playing with fire there, too. Um, but this is this is the situation the Rangers are, are in, and, and, and I don't know what the best situation would have been last night. Would it have been to let Hamill start the eighth inning? Would it have been what he did going to Leclerc and letting him start a clean inning um, I, and, and ultimately having to still ask Alex Claudio to go more than one inning. They just don't have a whole bunch of good options out there, and it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a roll of the dice and see if they can if they can get, uh, for lack of a better term, a little bit lucky here over the last five weeks. Well, they're going to have to be lucky, obviously, because that just what we talked about is that their they're, they're bullpen – to me, this has been the issue with the Rangers the entire season. You could, if, when you're looking back, oh, without a doubt, on, the, on this season, you're talking about the fact that that this all got off on the wrong foot with Sam Dyson, who who blew games that they should have won, put the team in a funk uh, right away, and then they've spent the rest of the time trying to, to redirect that. I think to me, that's how you kind of handicap this this second you know team wild card race is that to me. Who's got the better bullpen? Uh, and the Rangers are probably coming up dead last of all the contenders in that, aren't they? Uh, Kevin, you would think that. I, I just I keep looking around at, at, at all these teams, and they all have kind of significant flaws everywhere. And you know, the Rangers' strength is that they do have a bunch of power, and they can they can hammer some runs out early, and and maybe hold on late, and. And, and that's their that's their I think their two their advantages here are this: the Rangers have a lot of experience in their lineup. They have guys who have um, tasted champagne before. They know what it takes over the last five weeks. Uh, they have a bunch of power in their batting order, and it does seem like it has connected a little bit more as of late. But yeah. I, you know, after Hamels, your best pitcher is Andrew Cashner, who's pitched really well. Yes. And then you've got a bunch of question marks. Your bullpen, um, it really is just kind of throw a, a, a coin up in the air and, and hope it lands the right way every night. Um, but I just don't think that there's any team in the American League battling for that second wild card spot. And really, you could probably even throw the Yankees, who have the first spot in there, um, that's got it's got a real clean path to anything. They're just, it, it, it's just not a very strong league beyond the Astros' overall record. The Astros have some, have some issues with injuries, but I think that those guys will all get back, and I think they will be healthy come playoff time. And the Indians, who I think are, are, are sitting there as a, as a team that went through this last year, they know what it takes. Terry Francona's in a good spot as their manager. So I and and the Red Sox are, from my from my perspective, they've kind of underachieved all year. So I think you've got those three teams, and then everybody else is just trying to get in the tournament and see if they can get hot. Evan, you, you we, we've talked about relief pitching, we've talked about injuries, we've talked about power. Uh, when is Kella? And what's what's the prognosis on Kella and Bush, and Gallo? Well, uh, one at a time. Okay. We'll go on relief pitchers first, and then Gallo. Well, uh, yeah, uh, on Kella and Bush, 
um, I don't know that there is a timetable. I think right now uh, you've probably got a more definitive timetable on Jake Diekman than on the other two. Uh, if everything goes well for Diekman this week, I think by September 1 he should be active. Uh, I don't know that, that Kella has made any real strides with his shoulder. Um, and Bush right now, as of last night, they were still just waiting to see what the, the situation was with his knee. They didn't have a a um, any kind of timetable for when he would return. I, I would I would think you'd be looking at a minimum of two weeks here before wow. Matt Bush is back. So two weeks, two weeks, and and, and uh, Joey Gallo. Well, um, on Joey Gallo, you've got a couple things in, in, in play there, and and obviously this is this is on the on the offensive side and. One is the concussion-like symptoms that he was still at least experiencing yesterday, but nobody would give me any insight into what exactly those were. I asked the manager if he was still if Gallo was still experiencing headaches, which is you know I, I think our guys our our level of familiarity is with with the, with the issue. That's the first thing you ask for, and, and the manager just said he's just experiencing concussion symptoms. So. Um, the other, the other thing is the fracture in the nose, and, and that's a question of pain tolerance. And um, I don't know that there's – I don't – in the NBA, sometimes guys wear those, those, those masks. I don't think that would be um, – I don't think that would be workable in the, uh, in, in the major – in Major League Baseball. Uh, and, and just the, the helmet with the flap that, that protects the, the lower level of the jaw – that's not going to protect his nose. So I, I think that um, with Joey, it, it's really going to come down to pain tolerance. All right, I'm going to divert this entire conversation about as the usual. Rangers as usual. And I'm going to ask you, what in the world was Jonathan uh, Lucroy talking about when he made the comment saying that he was not wanted here with the Rangers? And I mean, before he got traded, obviously. Yeah, I think that, that Lucroy's comment um, – uh, in uh, in Milwaukee recently, when he when he was there with Colorado, basically uh, all come down to you know he was hoping to get extended here after he, he after he he turned down a trade to Cleveland and and tried to engineer himself a trade here, got here was hoping because close to his home in Lafayette, Louisiana, that he would um, he would get an extension here. And when the Rangers turned their their attention this um, this spring to, towards their door, and um, and then to a lesser extent to Robinson Trinos, who was his backup, and it was really the Trinos deal was a minor minor deal. But I, I think that that Luke Roy handled the uh, impending free agency um, and basically being told, "Hey, we're going to let you play this out." I think he handled it about as poorly as he could. Um, he never made any waves in the clubhouse, never never was disruptive, but I think it was very clear that, that free agency weighed heavily on him, and I think it, it impacted his performance out of the gate. Uh, I think he did get a little bit sullen over the fact that he felt he was unwanted long-term here, and I think he felt like, after signing such a club-friendly deal in Milwaukee, that he had only one chance at a contract, and he had to make the most of it, and and he just put way too much pressure on himself and didn't succeed, and and so the comments about 
uh, you know, I, you don't necessarily want to be anywhere where you're not wanted. I think that comes down to the fact that he just didn't deal very well with the idea that, hey, we like you as a catcher. Uh, we think you're really good. That's why we traded for you. But we don't have the desire to commit $15 million or whatever on a, on a long-term deal to a catcher right now. No and one's going to commit that to him, though. though. Evan, no one now. Well, at this point in time, nobody is. But I, I think going into the season, there were some there were some precedents on on deals that guys had signed. You know, there there was a lot of talk that he would get certainly the deal that Russell Martin got with Toronto, which right. I think was about four years and sixty million dollars. And he just hasn't performed up to that level. And and, and in a lot of ways, he he, he seems to have regressed. So. His, I will say this for him. His numbers have improved in Colorado. He's hitting 318. He's got a 456 OBP and a slugging percentage 432, which is not great, obviously. But his OPS is 888, which is 250. I, I love it when you talk Yeah, I don't that. think he's homered in Colorado. No, he is not. He is not. That, that's where it seems like he's lost his pop. He's not. But to me, as you said, I was waiting for Jonathan Lucroy to say, you know what, I haven't played up to the level I should have played because it was not just offensively. It was, it was Divas. If you, you could watch him catch, even, even I can watch him catch and say, man, he's really struggling here. But when you talk to scouts and they say he's, he's terrible now, he's in trouble just catching. But how does somebody lose it overnight just like that? And that's what he did. He did. You know, I've talked to this with, with, uh, with Jerry Fraley, our other, uh, Rangers beat rider. Um, and, and I, and I posed the, the theory that, you know, he's not a big guy. He's no. listed at six feet, two hundred no pounds. Way. I don't think he's that big. And I think when you're a, a smaller catcher, uh, but th- that's a really hard position to play. And he's played a lot of games, and and I think that has taken a toll on him. And I think that's why he's hit the wall so fast. So I can ask Evan what his opinion is on that. Oh, I I I'd agree entirely with that theory. I mean, and and that's all it is at this point in time. Who knows? He could come out next year playing on a one year deal and and be absolutely on fire but for this point in time i think that's something that you do have to consider is that he did have a heavy workload as a catcher in his in his 20s um it is a position that has un unparalleled physical demands um he is a little bit smaller and thinner uh than than, than other catchers and it, it very well may have have taken uh a toll on him that, that he's now paying the price for. Jeremy Jeffress didn't say anything about his tour with the Rangers, but he clearly wasn't happy about it either. Well, neither one of them produced. That might be no. one of the worst that, trades. That was, you know, that's one of those trades that it looked it looked fine. It looked great. I remember when the day they made the trade. It was a deadline deal, wasn't it? I, I was in New York at the time, and the Mets were interested, I think, in, in Lou Croy. Uh, the Indians were. No, the Mets were, too, because I was in New York, not Cleveland. And and they were very disappointed when they didn't get him. Oh, everybody wanted John, Jonathan Lucroy. Evan, is this not right? Was he considered one of the five best catchers in baseball? Yeah, and he came over here and he hit close to three hundred with I think eleven home runs. Yeah, or right. Two hundred at bats. He, he was everything they he, thought he they came, were getting. He came over here last year, and there was there was no thought that it was it was a poor trade. I mean, it was uh, he he performed. I I, I think. This year, you know, we, we've already been over. I think some of the issues that led to, that have led to poor performance. Um, as far as Jeffress goes, uh, I, I think that for whatever reason, 
certainly the DWI last year, I think, had an impact. I, I think it's probably, this is a guy who deals with anxiety um, uh, on a serious level. I think that um, comfortable in Milwaukee, had some level of success, came over here, immediately got became uncomfortable, dealt with anxiety, probably in a way that, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to prescribe, uh, ended up in a rehab situation. And after all that, I mean, I think the odds were just stacked against him. And it just comes back to this whole thing. You know, he um, um, he, he looked like a, a great acquisition because he had been closing there. He was going to be um, a guy that they could stack in front of Dyson. But we're still dealing in a game with humans, and, and he's a guy that's got some frailty. Um and I think that that anxiety level certainly had to play an issue there. This is the guy who's taking medication for anxiety. And uh, I, I think in the long term, it just became a real a real burden for him. And I think he felt like the the best situation for him would be to not be here. So we're talking about trades. Let's talk about the, the U Darvish trade. When it was made, um, I, I'd have to go back and look. I may have been on vacation when it was made. I mean, so that's maybe why I don't remember. Uh, odds are you were. Yeah, was uh, at the time. You know, I, I think they got what they could get for him. I don't. I don't think it was a bad trade from that standpoint. But was the decision now looking where the Rangers are right now? Was the decision to trade Darvish uh, a good one or a bad one? Uh, I still believe it was probably the best decision they could make at the time. They were five and a half games out in a very. Um, deep wild card race they weren't playing particularly well i don't i i don't you know i think initially the the thought process was well you didn't get alex verdugo who was a center fielder and a center fielder is what the rangers need you didn't get walker beeler who's a a big time pitcher and the team is is thin at at pitching And, and what you were able to get at the top of that package was a left-handed hitter who's a really good hitter who doesn't have an identifiable position yet. And, and I think if you look around the Rangers right now, you could say, well, they've got a lot of good left-handed hitters that we're not really sure if they've got an position. identifiable position. Right. So so of those three guys, Calhoun, Willie Calhoun, I think came up as the, as the least sexy of the names. But the guy can hit, and, and he's, he's a legit – major league hitter and in all the guys that I spoke with in Oklahoma City when I went up to watch him play with Round Rock, there's there's very little doubt that he will hit at the big league level. The question always comes back to, okay, where are you gonna play him? And and I think this gets into a long term issue for the Rangers is it, it and it's not just Willie Calhoun. Um, whether if they go back to Carlos Gomez in center field next year which I think is a legitimate possibility. He's going to be 32. He's he's still an adequate center fielder, but he's certainly lost no longer a Gold Glove center fielder. And I think your right field options are are no more Mazar and Sinchu Chu, and and both of them are below average defenders. Um, uh, we've seen that play out very very clear again here in the last week, and 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 I think that outfield defense is a real flaw for this. Jerry kind of wrote about that over the weekend. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it's something that does come back to, to, to hurt this team an awful lot. You look at you look at Boston and you look at their outfield and, and with Benatende and, and Betts and Bradley, and that's a team that takes runs and hits away from, 
do that now. And the Angels do that as well. Um, and, and, you know, that's a, the issue watching that game last night that was frustrating to me to watch is there were three dropped balls on exchanges in, uh, in, on the defense last night, one by the first baseman, one by the shortstop, one by the left fielder. Um, and it's just – this is the kind of stuff that just happens a lot with this team. You know, they – I know the Rangers do turn a lot of double plays, and that's the best thing you can say about that middle defense. But otherwise, there's there just still way too many mistakes made. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't, I'm not going to say that they've got an exchange problem. I think last night was kind of a freak thing. Um, yeah, I'm just saying it's an example of sloppy defense. Yeah, to, to your point, though, yeah, I do think that this is a team that's, that, that's got really poor outfield defense. I think it's got good above-average defense at the corners. I think Elvis is an average defensive shortstop, and they've got, you know, a subpar defender at second base in Rugnet Odor. Um, and, and I just think that, that yeah, it, it's another one of the, the many flaws of this team that, that show up, especially when you start playing close games that mean something. Evan, it's been great talking to you. We're gonna have to move on. We got our buddy, our buddy, our buddy, our buddy, our buddy, and our buddy. Kirk Bowles waiting for us in Austin. Uh, it's always great talking to you, Evan. Come back anytime. We'd love to have you back uh, to talk baseball with us. You've been great. You have a really good knowledge of the Rangers, and we'd like to exploit that a little more. Kevin, it sounds like you're trying to get rid of me. <laughs> he is trying to get Evan. You can take a hint. <laughs> Evan, you can take a hint. I got to tell you, uh, producer Brian is is again. He's with the get rid of this guy. He's got the hookup. Wow! And when he gets the hookup, Barry, is it? But this Kevin just said goodbye. Now this is about the point in time when you start asking questions. <laughs> no, <I'm>, no, <laughs> that's, ex- that's exactly what he did on the last podcast. Oh my gosh, Evan, Evan I'm, I'm going to wait, so Evan, well. Evan. I'm going to wait for you to hang up, and then I will. We, we will continue the podcast. Evan, you were terrific again. Thanks for getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning, West Coast time, to talk to us. Uh, we really Goodbye, appreciate Phil. it. Bye, Evan. I love you both. Love I you love too. you both like the daddies that I never had. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. We're like, we're like Evan's uncles. We're his, his, his crazy uncles, though. His, his, goofy, crazy his uncle. goofy uncles that he goes yeah. visits in the home like once every so couple of weeks. That's the kind of uncles you want to have, right? No one wants to have. We didn't, spo- but we didn't spoil him like some uncles. No, we him. did not. We should have. We should have left him on a curb somewhere. I don't know. This this Ranger team is 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 wacky. You know, some sometimes days I look at them, and some nights I look at them, and I go, "It's not a bad team." They, well, you know, no, they can do some you, And then sometimes you look at them, and they're just awful. Yeah, they're. This is a team. That's why you know I was watching the uh, the post broadcast one day. And uh, Mike Bassick was talking. post game. Post game. Well, that's what I mean. Excuse me. Uh, what's the post broadcast do? And Mike Bassick was ask, asking David Murphy about Nomar Mazar in particular, and talking about you know he's hitting very well. And, he, and, and Bassick said, "Why is it that he kind of goes up and down?" And David Murphy asks, you know, gives an answer, and it's it's a perfectly valid answer. But to me, that's indicative of this entire team. Yeah, they they'll play well for a while, then they'll play. And I think one of the reasons why, frankly. Is because offense is like that. Offense comes and goes. There are very few players that are just, you know, they're going to hit, go one for, if they're a 300 hitter, they go one for three every night. They, they just don't do that. Right. But the thing to me that, that makes you constant and defense. consistent is defense. And this team plays very poor defense overall. 
and and, and always has basically. Uh, there there have been times when it's been better. Uh, when they were going to the World Series, it was better. It was better, but it wasn't great back then. It wasn't either. great back then either. No, no. But but you know, you it had, wasn't great in the late night. Well, they always had when the, in the late nights they had Pudge. So the, the, yeah, the, I mean, the, it was they were better at catcher then. But but you know, uh, Wando wasn't uh, Juan Gonzalez was was no no in the late nineties. But in the 2010-11 team, you, you yeah. didn't have you didn't have oh. Josh Hamilton either in center or left. But then you had Nelson Cruz and, and really, right. Remember what happened with him? I remember what happened with him. But that, that's just just that's just it, right? Isn't that the perfect point? That that it's almost like the curse of Nelson. Nelson Cruz, it's, it was a, a lack of defense that, that cost them a world title. And and they still don't get that, like the Willie Calhoun trade. Now, look, I don't have a tr- problem with getting him because I think, and I, I've read this, other people have said this, scouts have said this, and I, and I think I might agree with them. He might have been the best hitter that got traded uh, at the deadline. Sure. But it, it's more than just an offensive game. It is more than an offensive game. I and mean, you got to have no place to play him. Well, they, they don't. He'll end up playing left field. Yeah, and, and but but uh, but you're but you're right. It's like you go, you can go around that team, and and Adrian Beltre is a Gold Glover. I mean, you know, he he's he's a great. He's still a great third baseman, uh, and he is so much better defensively than everybody else on the field. You know, they they do well at case at, at first base. Gallo's a good athlete. I think Gallo might be their second best defender. You know, because he can play left field, he can play first base, and he plays them both pretty well. He, he is their he's, best. He is their best outfielder. And that's scary. He is. Yes, he is. You take you, him over over Gomez. Oh yeah. If you look at his uh, what the, the, you know, the UZR and all that other stuff, the and all the metrics. You're making the stuff ultimate up. zone rate. You know all that stuff. He's got the. You, you watch him all the time. You you watch him like and I know this sounds silly. Pop flies, fly balls. He's very confident. You don't see him wandering around underneath the ball. You watch some of these other outfielders and a, and a ball's in the air and all this in like Shinsu Chu in particular. <sighs> He's wandering all over America. It's it's an adventure. adventure. Yeah. All right, we got to go. We, we got to go. Talk, we we haven't talk talked about. My, we haven't talked about my favorite Ranger now, who might be might be an outfielder. Let's uh, let's say that for next week. Drew Robinson. <laughs> Drew Robinson might be your favorite Ranger. He looks. He, yeah, you go in the clubhouse. He looks like he's twelve years. He old. looks. You know, he looks like to me a young Chipper Jones. He doesn't play like a young Chipper. Jones. Oh. No. Yeah, he, he's going to get a chance to play in the probably. But, but he is. I think the manager really, really likes him. The manager likes him. likes him. Yeah, he does. He does. And, uh, and, that, and that's always good for a player if the manager likes you. Yeah. All right, got to go now because we, we – what else do we have today? But I forgot. We got uh, – well, we had uh, John Machota on to talk about the Cowboys. Uh, that was great. And, and the Lions. He and, talks a lot and about the Lions. And then we're going to have Kirk Bowles, the Austin American Statesman, to talk about college football. Ooh, I want to hear about his top 25. Okay, we're going to do that. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.